Grace Bible Church. Welcome back to the Midweek Podcast. Uh, it's a joy to be able to, to talk to you. Thank you for tuning in and uh, listening to us talk. Uh, <laughs> I'm here with Brent Bullard, of course, and we're joined by Jerry McCune. Jerry, thanks for being here with us. Yeah, glad to be here with you guys. Um, Jerry, how how long have you and, and Pam, your wife, been at Grace Bible Church? Uh, it's 32 years. Yeah, in the summer. Thirty-two wow. years ago, man, very good. And you all have, you know, matter of fact, it's such a legacy that I heard a rumor. You know, our last guest last week, Amanda Johnson, <laughs> who oversees our buddies ministry, you were actually the crew director here at SFA and had Amanda Johnson as one of your students. Is that true? It's true. It's true. Allison Thornton, others as well. <laughs> that is so cool. You know, that legacy of of having a, a ministry in the same community, the same local church for so many years, like you all have had serving in different capacities, that's got to be pretty enriching to be able to, to see what the Lord's done in their lives since then. Yeah, incredible. And just uh, watching how she leads what she does in our community and buddies here at church, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really fun to watch how God uses. You know, Jerry, I know a lot of people uh, obviously know you and, and Pam, and Pam serves faithfully in the context of a women's ministry and FFE and uh, does a tremendous job. Uh, but tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, for those that don't know, uh, uh, Bridges International, the ministry that you lead, uh, not only has an impact here uh, at SFA, but also all over the place, right? So you're one of the ministries that Grace, uh, missionaries that Grace formally partners with and, and supports financially and in prayer and any other ways that we can. Uh, and many of our, our members do individually as well. Uh, but can you give us a just kind of a bird's eye view of, 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 uh, of Bridges International. Yeah, you bet. Um, really, for me, I never get over the fact that God has, has called or raised up really the best and the brightest and the most motivated students from their, from their nations, from their countries, and He has brought them to us. It's, they represent the, the next generation of leaders mm-hmm. in their countries. And in fact, the majority of them come from uh, the 1040 window or the, the least reach or the hardest to reach nations. Mm. About 60% of all of the million plus international students in the U.S. come from those, those nations, uh, from China, from a Hindu background, from a Muslim background, and God has brought them to us. So it's just, it, it's just incredible to me uh, that he has brought such a caliber of student the next generation of leaders to us. And, and then we have an opportunity. So the paradox is, as sharp as these students are and as motivated as they are, oftentimes they get to their campus in the U.S. and these incredibly competent, confident people experience incredible need hmm. and vulnerability. Hmm. And it's a great nexus to be able to intersect with their lives at that moment. So... Tell me about the ministry that you have here at Nacogdoches with the international students. Tell us about that that body and what you can about what ministry looks like for them because it's it's kind of like being able to go on a mission trip. It sounds like except they're coming to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. So I'll first just give a bird's eye view in the in the U.S. I said a million plus international students. SFA is is really on the small side proportionally of the number of students, but yet it's still remarkable to see students from 20, 25 plus nations, hmm. students that come from the Middle East, uh, from, from China, but then also from Western Europe and the Caribbean and South America. 
Um, and so it's, it's, it's pretty amazing to just be able to recognize that God has brought students even to Nacogdoches from mm-hmm. these parts of the world. And we have opportunity then to meet them as they come to uh, host events that might seem attractive to them, especially uh, a gathering at somebody's home, be, being able to meet somebody in the community. That's a great stepping point for a student to say yes to an invitation to come to something like that. Very good. You know, what would you tell our, our people, you know, who, who may not have had much interaction with international students? Uh, how would you encourage them, whether they see an international student? Yeah, you know, obviously you don't know if they're an international student until you talk to them. And we've had several attend our, our services with you and uh, some mm-hmm. have come on their own volition as well. And uh, what are some things that you would encourage them uh, when it comes to interacting with, with international students that find Nacogdoches as their home for some a year, some, I mean, much of their college career, correct? Yeah, I think the best thing that I can recommend when you, when you meet a student, and, and whether it's in church or somewhere else, is just be a good question asker. I mean, really the same thing that, that mm-hmm. makes us a good uh, interaction with anybody that we meet. Mm-hmm. Be a good question asker. Be curious about who they are, where they're from. It's okay to ask lots of questions. Uh, they love being able to tell you about who they are, where they've come from, how they've gotten here. Mm-hmm. You know, I try to think if I was... Stephen, if I was right now, if we were in, I don't know, uh, you could be anywhere. I, I ran. You could be. You could be a student in so many different places. How just out of, you know, nervous I would be, self conscious I would be. Uh, what role does hospitality play in your ministry uh, with these international students that are here in a totally, you know, outside environment, foreign environment for them? Yeah, significant. And I have to tell you that that Nacogdoches is a whole different level of just cross-cultural experience for these students coming. <laughs> you know, cause so imagine if they, if they land in Houston for the first time, which would be the most typical place, port of entry for them, if they come on a particular day, SFA is going to have a bus to be able to pick them up. But imagine what you go through to get here from the airport hmm. if you're a student and you're, and you're not coming in on the day that SFA is coming to pick up students on that one day. It's like the, uh, just, just the whole situation of trying to get to a bus from the airport, and then we can't imagine this, but it can sometimes be a six-hour bus ride from Houston to get here with the stops. Hmm. And then you end up at the bus station on the south side of town, and you think, well, I'm just going to call Uber and taxi, and even that's going to be limited. You know, so it's mm-hmm. really, and so really one of the things that, that students experience when they first get here, especially in August, is that, okay, I've heard that the Walmart Supercenter has everything that I need <laughs> to exist here, but that's a long walk. In August, oh, wow. and uh, and the public transportation is just really limited here. You know, the rest of the world public transportation is is prolific, huh. even in small rural places. So those are great opportunities to be able to offer a ride, even things like that to help in those initial times. Yeah, with some of the uh, international students I've gotten to to meet with, and then they just they enjoy it seems just getting to know our traditions, getting to know. What do we do? And inviting them into, I don't know that you guys have kind of hosted some things where you've had, you know, people over for holidays and those kind of things and allow them to be a part of that. Um, what, what lessons do you think we could learn even just from, I mean, whether it's an international student or our neighbor, how could we learn from just, I mean, you guys are I'm not trying to brag on you, but I mean, you're, you're kind of trendsetters in that where you're, you're having people over for Thanksgiving or for Christmas or whatever it is, you know, these holidays, um, what kind of motivates you to do that? And then what kind of fruit have you seen, you know, 
the Lord bring from just having people over for that kind of thing? Yeah, I think really, again, I think it goes back to the question, Brent, that you brought up in terms of, of hospitality and, you know, and what can someone do when they meet somebody? And again, I think with our, with our neighbors, with, with students, whoever it is, um, always a good first step forward is being a great question asker. And again, just being interested and curious and, um, I'd love to get together and hear more of your story. You know, again, what student or what neighbor, what person, you know, doesn't like to respond to an offer like that. And so really the events that we have are not going to be focused in terms of a, much of a spiritual context. It's going to be more of relational mm-hmm. opportunities that we invite students into. Yeah. And then that's where the, then the interpersonal relationship is, is, is formed, whether it's in someone's home and just encouraging them, it's like, yeah, follow up with the students that you met with. Mm-hmm. When we had um, our potluck a couple of weeks ago, I mm-hmm. brought a student from the Middle East with me, and he attended church that day. Mm-hmm. And then while he and I were the first to sit at a table, then three SFA students uh, who attend here said, hey, can we join you guys? And we're mm-hmm. like, yeah. And what I loved was the posture of those three students. They instantly began to be great question askers. Hmm. And and my student, my friend, just had a great time responding and, and and telling more about himself. And he said, "I really." Afterwards, he said, "I really enjoy meeting those students." It's hmm. really great. Now you have a lot of you know. I don't know how many people know this, but your your ministry focus uh, you're impacting and actually Jerry shaping ministry in a lot of different campuses, actually all over the world. Can you tell us a little about your responsibilities? Uh, that you have with Bridges additionally, besides what you're doing here on a week-to-week basis at uh, SFA and Nacogdoches? Yeah, it's a real, it's a real privilege because uh, apart from reaching out to students here locally, nationwide, I help give leadership and, and help to all of our staff and our volunteers throughout the country who are specifically reaching out to students from Muslim-majority nations. Just this morning, I answered an email from Jesse, one of our Bridges staff in Arizona. And she's saying, hey, just before COVID, I met this student from Indonesia. And then when, when classes went virtual in March, she went back home to Indonesia. And as, I, and as I have circled back and followed up with her, even these months later, she's still in Indonesia because then it was difficult to get back to the U.S. But she's uh, been able to connect with her by Zoom. And she said, hey, would you like to, even though you're back home, I know you're intending to come back. Mm-hmm. When, when possible, how about if we practice English together, but we do it by looking at Bible stories together? Mm. And so the Indonesian student said, yeah, I'm in. So th- then it's just a matter of just both of them figuring out their sweet spot of their 12-hour time difference between the two of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who's but giving just, up sleep this time? But just the opportunity just to just to help the staff member in, in Arizona think, okay, what security protocols or things do I need to be concerned of or aware of as I interact with her just by video? In Indonesia, and so that's one of the uniquenesses that COVID has brought is that it's really causes us to think about the students that are not only near but far, mm-hmm. and how we can stay connected in a way that feels normal rather than like, um, okay, I'll meet with you by video. Mm-hmm. Well, there's some distinct ways that uh, our church could pray for your ministry or. Uh, otherwise come come alongside you guys um, as you seek to do just incredible work. Yes, yeah, Stephen, you know, a lot of things come to mind in terms of prayer requests. 
I think one great prayer request that I would invite everybody to join us in is that we just have a number of, of in particular, Muslim background students that have come to faith in the last two years. Hmm. And every single one of those students represents such a unique story in God's pursuit of them and, and how they've come to faith. And such a unique story for each of them about how each of them wrestled with the gospel before coming to faith. For most of them, in terms of just thinking through the impact that this decision to follow Christ would have on their family, on their relationship with their families. And then the students come to faith just navigating, uh, when do I tell my family? I think about a student named Ali from the Middle East who, who came to faith 18 months ago. And he would say to me, he said, Jerry, he said, for the first 18 months after coming to faith, there was really two Ali's. There was the <laughs> Christian Ali and the Muslim Ali, he told me. And he said, because I lived in fear. And so when I was around students from my country and from my culture on campus, you know, the last thing I wanted to do was tell them, it's like, well, I'm a follower of Jesus now. But, in, but at the same time, you know, that always, it always felt like, you know, in some ways an imposter. He said, I felt like an imposter among my Christian friends and an imposter among my Muslim friends. Mm-hmm. And it took 18 months. And, and, and then God brought the opportunity for him to tell his, his father and his sisters, his mom had already passed away before his coming to faith. And he said, and after finally telling my family, he said, I, I stopped living in that fear of being found out. And he said, I, I'm experiencing no more fear. And he said, my, my peace, the, the, the purpose that I experienced in my pursuit of Christ now. So I, I share that story to just give a, a glimpse into the struggle of uh, both a, a Muslim background student wrestling with the gospel on the front end, mm. and then navigating this new faith in Christ mm-hmm. the cost. afterwards. Yeah, the cost. Yeah, the cost continues to reveal itself along mm. the way. And it's uh, and there's no script for that to say, well, this mm. is how long you should wait before mm. you tell your family. Part of it is just kind of a dependency on Christ and 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 having that tuition that the Holy Spirit's gonna that intuition that the Holy Spirit's gonna bring now a new Mm-hmm. And and them longing to tell their their family, but uh, but but fearful of their family's reaction. Mm. So praying for those would be a significant prayer request. And coming alongside of us in terms of just being able to locally certainly to to offer homes to to host for events or even simple things like you know helping to prepare deliver some desserts or or things like that. Um, but also just saying, hey, I'd love to I'd love to engage students. Mm. with you. Mm. Just let me help. That's tremendous. You're thinking about the different Jesus that is in Islam. And this Sunday, we're going to be finishing John 19, actually in a two-part sermon uh, entitled, When the Cross Met Christ. We're going to be approaching this text as though we were interviewing the cross. And this Sunday, we're going to focus on his body, asking the cross, tell us about the body of Christ. For uh, in biblical Christianity, we believe that Jesus died. He, he died, buried, rose again. And in Islam, they deny that Jesus ever died. Yes. Uh, and, and not only to deny, deny his deity, but they deny that he ever died. And so for a Muslim to come to this realization of, uh, is, is, the, is the biblical Jesus or is the, is the Quranic Jesus? Which one of these do I actually believe? As Christians, we should have an answer for the hope that we have in Christ of who he is and what he accomplished on the cross. This is a text that I'm really looking forward to exploring this Sunday, but uh, one of the reasons I'm so happy to, to hear from you in this is you interact with people where, uh, sure, our faith 
it cost us a little bit here. Uh, mm. Certainly, with some socially, that's that's growing. Uh, it seems like every month, uh, with what it means to stand upon what Scripture says and, and who we are and our identities. But uh, Jerry, your ministry is one in which you're interacting with people where uh, their faith, their faith, if they believe that Jesus is the Son of God, uh, e- e- eternally God the Son sent from the Father, who came, took on flesh dwelled among us, lived a sinless life, fulfilled the scriptures, died on the cross for our sin. By faith in Christ alone, they have life. And, and he, the one who defeated death and rose again uh, and ascended to heaven and will come again. Uh, when these young adults place their faith in Christ, there is massive consequence possibly for them. Uh, and you just gave us a little bit of a heart in that. But as you minister to these people, you know, if I, if I, when we win some, I win somebody to Christ for the whole, it's, their family is celebrating. You're interacting with a lot of students who are here that when they come to faith in Christ, their family may disown them. Can you give us a, an insight to that as we look forward to this Sunday in this text of finishing off John 19? Yeah, I, th- I think I, instantly I think of a, of a student that came to faith in November and he goes to another university in Texas and he just had a sense of of. of, of boldness and desire right away to communicate to his family about his faith in Jesus. And so, you know, so often, I mean, as we think about our own salvation or seeing someone else come to faith, there's this enthusiasm to it's like, wow, like I, I found, I know the truth. Mm. I want to tell the people that I care about. And so uh, as, as his family was in Egypt and he communicated about his faith experience, it was, there was lots of pushback. And then and then again, COVID interjects into a story and a conversation this current year, right? So in March, interestingly, you know, he's, he's looking at what's going on with COVID in the U.S. And, and, in, and in Texas. And he says, I'm going back to my very crowded Middle Eastern country because it's going to be so much safer, you know, back there related to this, this pandemic. Hmm. And so he's come back after being home for four months. And it was an incredible struggle for him. Um, there he, he felt kind of unable to connect with other believers and um, in any kind of tangible, physical way. And so, again, praise God that we had the opportunity to just kind of communicate through WhatsApp and different things, you know, along the way to, to encourage him. But, yeah, I, you know, I think it's the same it's still, even though it's, it's in some ways we could argue it's easier for, for someone else to come to faith and recognize who Christ is, that He is the God. He is the Messiah. He is, as you said, the way, mm-hmm. the truth, the life. We just looked at in John 14 right. you know, a few weeks ago. But at the same time, for, for any of us, as, as we have made that decision to acknowledge Jesus, I think it's in some ways it's, it's still the same human struggle, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That it's like I can't meet God's standard, and it's the realization of that. Mm-hmm. But then the realization that, that Jesus as God lived, met that standard on our behalf. And because he was God, when he died, his death, his propitiation for our sin covered us because he was God. And, I, and so in some ways, I still think it's, it's, it comes down to just the, the wooing of the Holy Spirit for each person. And so in some ways, all of those extraneous things and barriers still ultimately come down to us saying, Jesus, it's, it's you, not me. Hmm. That's good. Uh, Stephen, this applies Sunday. I know a, a number of, obviously, the songs you've chosen very intentionally. Um, 
would you tell us about one in particular that uh, that would be good for us to meditate on as we approach this Sunday? Uh, yeah, so this Sunday we're going to be uh, singing some songs that revolve around the cross and what Christ has done for us. But um, we're going to be singing uh, Man of Sorrows, which is a descriptor of um, what it actually looked like for Christ to, um, to, to die on the cross and what that accomplished. Um, there's this bridge that says, now my debt is paid, it's paid in full. And that is exactly what, uh, what the Lord has done for us. As uh, Jerry used one of my favorite words, propitiation, just a second ago, um, that the cross of Christ satisfied the wrath of God that we deserved, um, but yet Christ did that for us. And so uh, we'll be singing that. Um, as well as Jesus, thank you after the sermon to sing just uh, with a gratitude what the Lord has done uh, for us by laying His very life down. So, um, as you just as you just said, Jerry, um, it's the same for all of us that the Lord calls us by His Spirit, draws us. We must hear the gospel. We will we will preach and sing and pray the gospel this Sunday, and we do pray that God would bring salvation, that He would call sinners. Um, to salvation. And um, so we're praying for you, church. We're praying for those that will be here with us. And it'll be a joy to be able to gather uh, with you this Sunday. Very good. Thank you, Jerry, for joining us. Great to be with you guys. We'll see you.